0: Welcome to the Daily Sales Show, hosted by Sell Better.
1: Bienvenue. Be Welcome back, everybody. Uh, this is going to be an exciting one. I'm amped to kick this off. Uh, if you're coming off a call, if you're coming out of a meeting, if you are just sitting down to start your day, I envy you, but also get your learning cap on because we are going to talk about some really interesting things today. I'm going to go ahead and launch this question as you're coming into the room. Identify yourself. What are you? Are you an SDR? Are you an AE? are you an alien? A a senior leadership has been climbing here lately. I've been really interested to see all of the C-level executives and the, the VPs and the people that function above the power line coming in so that they can share the wisdom with their teams and start to make a change in the behaviors that they're seeing. So change your chat settings over on the right side there to everyone and let us know where you are tuning in from in the chat. And here's something fun what is your typing speed? If you don't know it, just say you don't know it, but I'm interested in where you're tuning in from and put the number of words per minute that you type. Shout out to Boston. I see you Hoboken, New Jersey. What's going on? Oh, I in the house. Austin at a hundred. Mike Cordell types a hundred words a minute, Dublin, Ireland. What's popping. You can probably see your flag behind me. I love you. I miss you. I'll see you soon uh, Atlanta in the house. Here we go. All right. This is what we're here to talk about. Let's kick things off. We're going to talk simply about frameworks for winning cold email. We're going to give you a foundation to work with, and we are going to build upon that foundation so that your frameworks can be the best that they possibly can be. That's what we're going to do today. I'm your host, James. Say Buckley? And I am joined by my very good friend, Seth List, head of sales development at TeamSense. Welcome back to the show, my friend. Thanks so much, James. Always a pleasure. This is going to be a great one. I'm excited. Go ahead and scan this QR code. Check us out, sellbetter.xyz. See what we're doing, why we're doing it, how we're doing it, who we're doing it for. It's you, the frontline reps and the leaders that want to make change from revenue perspective in their organizations. While you're there, hop over to YouTube and check out our YouTube channel. I want to give a big thanks to our partner today. Shout out to Exactly. Exactly is changing the game right now. They love salespeople, plain and simple. So they built a platform that brings them together right? This is like go-to-market planning, sales performance measurements, uh, stronger forecasting, and we're just getting started with all the different things that they can do with 17 years of benchmark data to back them up. Go check out exactly right now. Uh, if you want to learn more, we're putting a link in the chat where you can get to that very quickly. Let's take a look at who is in the room. Bam. SDRs, AEs, mostly working with cold frameworks. I appreciate the management. And look at that, 13% senior leadership running into the room. Uh, We appreciate all you guys coming out and spending your time with us today. This is what you're going to get from Seth and me today. Uh, Building blocks. Everybody needs to start somewhere. We're going to give you that foundation first and foremost. Then we're going to talk about proven email frameworks that are working in 2024. And then of course, how to leverage that context. That's the thing that's the most important, the variables. So Seth, let's talk about the building blocks why don't we give them a simple formula that they can work with starting
0: out and why these are the things you chose to focus on for a simple framework yeah um it's here on the screen we can all read right contextualized opener uh flow into a relevant value proposition i think relevant is the uh the keyword there uh and then we got to make an app right? great we don't get what well, we don't ask for um what works today is different than what worked 15 years ago when I started this thing, but the fact that we got to ask for what we want doesn't change how we deliver the ask has to some degree.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, we've, we have to package it in some type of way. Let me ask this question for the audience because you guys know that I like it when you participate in the conversation. Uh, would you add anything to this particular set of openers? Is there anything? Put it in the chat. What would you add to this particular set of essentials if there was anything in there? Uh, so for me, the first thing that I, I might add is I would want to know what's my subject line for a cold email. And you had something really specific about subject lines that you brought up. So
0: talk to me about that. I do. i'm I'm a visual thinker. Uh, and so, in my mind, the subject line and the the closing of my email, the sign off are like the ends of a bow on a present. Right, When you show up for uh, for Christmas, you do the, the white elephants, Secret Santa, right? We all kind of gravitate towards the pretty-looking presents, and then maybe we give them a little shake, right? But it's the packaging that, that gets our attention. And when it comes to email, right? The best email in the world, forgive my language, doesn't mean shit if you can't get it opened. And the subject line is the bait to try to grab attention and to get that email opened, which is the first hurdle we have to get over. Um, and it's kind of fun and playful to try to tie that subject line to a closing. Now I've got a theme in my email and it just like feels better to read.
1: Yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. And I think that the magnetism of your subject line is often what earns us that seat at the table when they're deciding, what am I going to delete and what am I going to save and actually read? Uh, for me, I have a tip where I say, if you can have a one word subject line, go for that. Simple is
0: better. Do you have a, t- a specific tip on subject lines? Uh, you know, in the, in the, day and age of sequencing. Uh, My strategy has been to start with something that feels a little more buttoned up, business appropriate in my opening emails. And then the farther into that sequence I get, the less I have to lose, right? The data says that my reply rate, chances of reply goes down over time. And so the farther into the pursuit I get, the more risks I take. Um, I can't say I remember the prospect offhand, his name, but I I chased a prospect for five or six months. The one that got him was, uh, the subject line was pink fuzzy bunny slippers. Like, what do I have to lose at this point? I've been chasing him, you know, two, three, four times a week for months. Uh, he's ghosting me. Um, I had a prospect one time, and I, I don't mean to jump the gun in terms of kind of personalization. Uh, but I had this prospect, uh, Tracy Hageman at Hot Topic. I was hell bent on getting in there, and she just kept, she'd surface briefly and then disappear. And what finally kind of sealed the deal and got her to engage in a meaningful way. I found out what year she graduated college. I went and pulled the Billboard Top 100, and all of my subject lines were lyrics from songs that were popular that would trigger that nostalgia for her uh, as a means to stand out from all the other noise in her inbox.
1: That is creative at its best. And I like that you're taking that like musical bone. I think we all like there's a, there's a, 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 what's the word? Like a universality there in like when we graduated and the things that were hot then. Uh, and it takes us back. It makes us feel very familiar. So I really like that strategy. Let's take a look at an example of this particular essentials framework, Art at Work. Break this down for everybody. Um, and we'll talk about the tiers that we're going to work with. Let us know in the chat, like, as he's started, you have questions about this stuff? Do you want to ask questions of your own? Put them in the Q&A. We're definitely going to answer them as we go along here. Seth, break this example down.
0: Yeah, I'm big on context. You'll find that about me if you don't already know it. The context about this is that as part of my hiring process, I have candidates write copy for me. There's kind of a take-home assessment that puts them really close to the job. But part of that is I name an account for them and they've got to go source contacts and come up with copy to you know take a stab at accurately conveying our value proposition. And so um, what we're looking at here is an actual example that a candidate submitted to me. Um, and so the things that I like right off the bat is the brevity. Okay, attention spans are short these days. Uh, I think the last stat I read is that there's 1,000% more SDRs in field today than there were 10 years ago. And we're using tools that have more than 10 x our email volume and all of that translates to noise in the inbox for buyers. Uh, and so for me on the receiving end, it's like, get to the point, right? I want it short and sweet. I wanna be able to figure out who you are and why you're reaching out so that I can make a decision for myself if this is relevant or not, especially if you have not called out the relevance for me. Uh, and so the thing that I liked about this one uh, first and foremost is that it's short. Uh, now I will, I dig the, the candidate here. It's not mobile optimized. This looks nice laid out horizontally like this. If you were to consume this on a, on an iPhone or an Android, uh, you're going to be doing a lot of scrolling. Yeah. Um, and the other thing here is just telling them what they already know. I noticed you oversee employee engagement and retention. As a recipient, I know what I do for a living. And somebody telling me that doesn't necessarily add value and it certainly doesn't impress me. And on the sender side, You've consumed characters that don't create value or differentiate in any way. Mm. So I would just strike that all together. You know what Re- one that, go ahead. Oh, I just reframe it in a way and, and acknowledge it as fact, given you oversee retention and engagement.
1: That's a language change right there. Uh, and I had, a, I had another thing that I picked up on this one and it's the not sure. I try to remove like the doubt. I like, I want people to feel like I'm confident in my outreach, right? Uh, so let, let's ask this question as we move forward here, because as we talk about this, I want to ask people if they use a framework. And if your answer is other, what framework are you using in the chat? Could be the the ADA framework, AIDA. Uh, you Maybe you're using something else. I would love to know if you have a framework that you have been taught that you use regularly. Uh, let us know in the chat. Uh, what else about this email stands out? I like the fact that you've noticed that it's not mobile friendly why is that an important factor in
0: 2024 uh you know i'm a i'm a fan of the crew at lavender they're not the only ones putting out reporting but the last stat that i saw from them was that more than 80 percent of emails are consumed for the first time on a mobile device and i can just speak from personal experience like nearly 100 percent of my emails are read on mobile yeah uh, the, the first time around um and so if you're not checking for mobile optimization you should be um and if you're not checking, don't want to, don't have a tool at your disposal, front load the value, right? If I, if I as the recipient, have to read and scroll two or three times to figure out what the hell this is about, I'm probably not going to do it. Like, it puts too much work on me. It's good. It's uh, right. I see a question in the panel. You know, Lavender does this natively, but if you're not in a position to buy something, don't want to spend the money out of pocket, here's the hacky way. Send it to yourself. Super easy.
1: Yep. Send it to yourself. And when you open it on your mobile device, how does it interact in your world? Do you have to scroll? Is it short enough to fit on one screen? Uh, are there giant words in there that sort of you know, mess up the way that it lines up for you? So you have to scroll even further, even though you got the whole gist of the message. Let's take a look at this right here. Check it out. It looks like a lot of folks are using frameworks. I would imagine multiple frameworks. Put a yes in the chat or a no in the chat. Are you using more than one framework right now? at a time. I feel like there's so many out there. It's hard to like nail down just one. Uh, if, if you're a, like me, I'm, I'm a yes. I usually use multiple frameworks as I run through my emails. Uh, let's take a look at how we're going to do this, right? Because we've got a couple other examples. How are we tiering this out? How do you look at this when you think about like
0: frameworks that, that work? What's your strategy? Yeah. So when we talk about uh, kind of good, better, best, um, you know, I want to be forthcoming gang there's no right answer and what works with one prospect may not work with another even if they have the same title in a very similar organization uh as part of my my internal challenge uh, the cognitive dissonance between being a tech forward open-minded SDR leader which is go play with new tech and the the old man mentality of holding pretty firm to principles that worked for me when I had no choice but to write every email by hand right the the creativity the challenge of having to come up with copy from scratch every time there's something to be said for that exercise that mental exercise um, but with that said kind of good better best uh, you know best is gonna be mobile optimized that that's a big one for me right now because it within that it, it kind of spits out other necessary parts or frameworks uh, pieces to the framework right um, Your subject line needs to be mobile optimized as well. Tracy Hageman, Hot Topic, the one that got her attention finally was, all right, stop collaborating, listen. Good old school vanilla ice. Um, That won't work today, right? Just that subject line is going to get cut off. It's too many words. Um, For years, I would use an opening line. I'm sure you're busy, so I'll try to be brief. Too many eyes. I've cut that. But for me, it was a mental exercise of, if I type that first, I'm sure you're busy. My aim is to be brief. And then I write an email that's not brief, I'm going to reread that thing and either challenge myself to make it brief or amend that opening statement. If the email needs to be long, I'm an asshole if I say this is going to be brief and then it's a four-page read.
1: Yeah. Um, I feel the same way about video. When I use video, I'll sometimes say, don't worry, it's only a minute long. I won't pitch slap you, you know? And then people people get a good chuckle out of that. I write that right above where I do the video. So it's real short. Yeah, I want to. Uh, I want to get into this next example, but you were talking about personalization and we're going to talk about the metrics when you were writing all these emails ahead. But I'm curious for everybody that's in the room, uh, and, you know, in your opinion, you know, unless you're measuring this legitimately, which is totally fine. Some of you have the tech to do it. How much of your emails are actually customized, right? I'll leave this up for a minute. Let's take a look at this next example. And I just kind of want your feedback. This kind of fits into like betters category, right? Like what, what makes this a better category?
0: Yes. Yeah, so similarly, the, the feedback that I had for this candidate was similar to the first one in that we, we've opened the email with I, not like me as a seller, not them as the prospect, and we've told them something that they already know, which is, hey, you're the HR leader at this company. What's important and relevant here is uh, the point of mutuality, which is based on their role and responsibilities, they care about employee engagement and absence tracking and we are also in the business of driving employee engagement and helping them tra- track absences in, in a better way. So like- We're like you. We do what you do. We know your yep. business. Yep. Um, and so what they've done here, we've got four parts, but there's kind of a, a an attempt at a contextualized intro, which I like. There's some there's some workshopping to do, but the, this candidate was on the right track. Uh, the next two paragraphs, the first one being a sole sentence, and then the next one that follows is like our, our relevant value proposition. Right. There's kind of a general observation about what happens in organizations that struggle with unexpected absences is very unique to the business I'm in today. Right. But it's like I understand enough about the problem we solve to say these are the common consequences related to the thing we solve for. And then a team sense specific value prop, which is here's what we do about it. And then there's an ask and it's evident as an ask because it ends in a question mark, which is important. I tend to take the red pen to to emails that have more than one question mark in them, even if it's a hypothetical question, because it causes yeah. confusion for the buyer, right? It's it's our job to make it really easy on them to do the thing we want them to do, which is first and foremost, reply. And if we've got an email with six question marks in it, and I'm on the receiving end, it makes me wonder, what am I actually supposed to answer? Or I'm going to be a jerk and answer the one I want to answer, which I know is not the one that you want me to answer, which is, no, I'm not going to take your call at 10 a.m. next Tuesday, right? I'm going to answer some other question in the mix. Uh-uh. And I gave this feedback to the candidate, but the the notion of, I'd like to share some initiatives, that's vague. It doesn't actually tell me much on the recipient's end. So my advice to him was, how can you make this shorter and more explicit? What are you actually asking for? That's good feedback there. Shorter,
1: more concise. Uh, You said something in there that I just kind of want to pause on because, and it's
0: completely unplanned. You said the other one is, is kind of a soul sentence. What's a soul sentence? Oh, I just meant a standalone. It's both a paragraph and a single sentence.
1: Paul, I I heard like soul and I'm like, yo, like what are you talking? That's impactful stuff right there.
0: (laughs) No, so part of my strategy when trying to optimize for mobile is is taking what I have initially written as a multi-sentence paragraph and trying to see how can I chunk this up and introduce line breaks in a way that just visually, right? And I actually do this as an exercise. Write an email on my laptop and step back five feet ah. does it look like something i want to read or is it one big fat block of text because if it's one big fat block of text i gotta find a way to draw the reader's eye through it and so that's language aside simple formatting stuff like line breaks utilizing bold and or bullets to kind of like literally lead them down the path i want them to be into the email enough that they read it all the way through to the end i'm a phony mm-hmm. in my real life you know this but like Andrew Zimmern's thing, you know, talk show chef, if it looks good, eat it. I'm a big, you know, if it looks good, people will read it even That's if the content right. is shit. But like, uh, yeah, if it's one big paragraph and I'm on the receiving end, that feels like work for me right off the bat. Yeah. I don't want to have to do work for, for somebody who's trying to sell me something.
1: Yo, has anybody, I got to know yes or no in the chat. Have you ever had a, uh, like a meal that you ordered, get put in front of you and it looked fantastic. And then when you ate it, you were disappointed as hell. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's kind of what we're talking about with these frameworks like man like it has to be it has to taste good it has to read
0: well no matter what you
1: think about it right it, look, it could look amazing but if it reads like
0: who <laughs> uh, I, I had that meal last week I took my wife to dinner That the turnips looked great on the menu they looked good when they hit the table they didn't taste very good but I was compelled to at least try it because it looked good it disappointed me that's the email equivalent of like a really well formatted email but then I read the content I'm like ah it fell short
1: yeah um that's always a bad feeling too you get sure. that sinking feeling uh, disappointing churro yes Kristen I feel you uh check it out okay so look it looks like we got some good even spreads here a lot of people customizing upwards of 75 percent uh and then look you got a lot of people that don't believe in automating anything two percent of our voters uh they believe they believe that everything should be handwritten we got some stats around that that we're going to talk about uh, but what I want to park on here is this, you know, after 20 years, you've been in this game for 20 years. I'm sure that you've seen a lot of frameworks. Uh, but you said that saying too much has been a problem. I have learned that I am too wordy in my writing. So it helps me to read it out loud and be like, yo, I'm writing a Lord of the Rings novel here. Like, shrank it down. Uh, wh- why do you think this has become a problem? When did it change uh, for, from it being, you know, I, we always hear leaders tell us you have to be selling, right? Like, like, why would they connect with you? And to your point, I want to share some initiatives. They know I want to sell them something. Then why don't I just be direct, be transparent? Where's the line, Seth?
0: Okay, so I keep me honest on the on the time on this, James, because I do have a lot of thoughts. The notion that sales leaders are saying that, that you should be selling, I reject that notion. Uh, and SDR's job is to generate engagement, a two-way dialogue between buyer and seller. Hopefully it's in our favor. The sentiment is positive. They give us time or at least give us confidence that they'll talk to us at a later date, right? But until we have a two-way discourse with a prospect, no selling can happen. That's that's the card before the horse, like literally. And in my experience, email is not an effective medium to sell someone on a new idea. Mm. Now, your AE counterparts are more likely to have success selling via email, especially in a multi-threaded environment to kind of generate collective understanding on the prospect side across different people and different Functions, different titles to get them aligned. But for an SDR, right, our aim is to get their attention with the subject line to get them to open the email, to impress a degree of understanding about who they are in the world, who they are in their business, and the typical challenges that they face. Position a relevant value proposition, and then ask them for something. And really, what we're asking for first and foremost is a reply. Right. Um, the notion of like, when did brevity become? Amount. i think it's two factors that have influenced this um over time i don't know that the seller's desire to say too much has really changed in a meaningful way as a new hire in an organization most companies are going to train you on the product that you're selling you're going to listen to sales calls with excited prospects right And and so you have all this like new information that you're really excited to share and that often materializes is our both emails because you're trying to cram everything that you've learned that you're excited about into a single email. That happens a lot on calls as well, right? We're like, let me tell you all about our features, right? And we do that at the cost of being curious about the prospect. How do you solve for this thing today, right? You're doing your job today and I'm curious how you're doing it before I start talking about how I can help you do it better.
1: Okay. They have, the other have fact, to know where to start. It, so they have to tell you how they do it so that
0: you can add change, et cetera, right? That is correct. Um, and the other thing that's changed is just again the, the volume of us collectively in the field today. There are a thousand percent more well baby Seth SDRs in the world today than there were ten years ago. And also we are using jet fuel powered sales engagement solutions like on in minimum sales loft, outreach, Apollo, all of them to do these things at scale. That all translates to more noise in the recipient's inbox. And to mm-hmm. that end, right? We have the the ratio the amount of prospects time and attention that they're spending on an individual email to triage their inbox is a fraction of what it used to be
1: let's find out how much time do you spend in one email how much time let me know in the chat is it 10 minutes is it 20 minutes is it an hour you know how much time do you spend on one email how much time does it take you to get it out let's find out if it, you know i i try there we go there we go 15 minutes too much i like it too much 25 minutes 10 minutes, five, 15. I'm a five minute person. If I can't find a relevant reason to talk to someone in five minutes, I'll come back.
0: (laughs) Well, and to the earlier notion of good, better, best, right? Best case is we can go to a profile that's fully fleshed out. We have a ton to work with. They're they're a member of groups. They're involved in, in conversations. They're posting their own content. They're interacting with content from others. And it gives us a whole lot of cannon fodder. Now, how do we do that in an efficient way? That's probably a topic for another time. It's going to skew us, push us into the, you know, how do we use AI camp, which um, we may touch on a little bit today, but there's there's best and then there's better and good, right? If, If from a baseline level. I spent a lot of time thinking about talking about the distinction between personalization and contextualization. Personalization as far as like what I grew up with was like, Hey, we went to the same school. We root for the same sports team. We were both members of the same fraternity or sorority. We share a common connection. That's kind of surface level shit. And it worked all right. 10, 15 years ago, it doesn't really work anymore. It's not enough. Yeah. So the notion of contextualization though, is applicable today, which is how do I as the SDR educate myself enough to understand a day in the life of, of someone doing a job that I have never done and may never do, but still speak their language to show a degree of understanding and empathy about uh, what challenges their business faces at large, what they are likely to face individually in their role and tell a story that helps them understand. I, I get it, right? That's that's uh, in that hierarchy. It's not the best, but it's, it's it's better. It's mid- middle of the road, right? And it is and good. Yeah, biz Donnie just said business acumen. I think that's one of the, if not the biggest challenge that a today's modern SDR faces is a lack of business acumen relative to our prospects. I'm not saying that nobody in the on the call here doesn't know anything about business, but relative to the people that we're calling on, especially like above the line prospects,
1: right? It, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're we're actually doing a show on how to sell to executives coming up, so. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, uh, Maria, if you're out, if you're in here, if you'll drop that in the chat so everybody can check that out. I'm sure a lot of you are reaching above the power line to get your deals going. Uh, we've got a show coming up about that. So that's a great call out. I want to park it on the on the example here, and I want to talk about AI at the same time. So this is another example that was submitted to you. And let's first talk about this example, and then let's talk about how you might use AI to make this even better than this better example.
0: <laughs> um so what i find is that uh sdrs and sdr leaders alike want to talk about where and how do we use ai to do our jobs better to better service our internal customer which is the sales organization build pipeline right make more money um and that a lot of the development effort going on in, in technology right now is really skewing toward like automating the creation of content i'm personally just it's by nature little bit of a laggard i like to let others go first and be guinea pigs the the way that i'm using ai myself right now is to hack that learning curve to accelerate uh time to higher level of business acumen as it relates to my prospect so the challenge i have with this email is the generic like you have important responsibilities what are those responsibilities right you as the seller should have. You should have a baseline understanding of what those responsibilities are so that you can connect the dots for the prospect between, we both know that you have to care about attendance and turnover, and here's the way that we're solving it for businesses like you. Does, is this worth a conversation? Is this a priority for you right now? Right. Um, and so the, the opportunity that I see looking at this email was for this SDR to go throw a prompt into chat GPT to say, act as if you're an HR professional in a manufacturing organization of 3,000 employees and you're responsible for 250 of them. What are the top three to five things that you're measured on and responsible for? And then nudge props to flesh out things that require more detail or that I don't totally understand.
1: These things are very helpful. Uh, let us know in the chat what. AI tools you're using to help you write better emails, better cold emails these days. I'm a ChatGPT fan. I know John has been doing some amazing things with Chad GPT, Uh, but that's, that's great stuff right there. And again, guys, there's no silver bullets here. We're just giving you real examples. Oh, Jasper. I know about Jasper. I just saw that go through. Claude, I know about Claude. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of really good ones. Seems like cheating to me, Stefan. It's not cheating. It's pragmatic. Pragmatism is awesome. I like all the tools being thrown in here. Six cents, good stuff. Uh, ChatGPT, a lot of GPTers in the room. Uh, you talked about Crystal Nose.
0: Crystal Nose is a great tool. How does it help you with an email framework, Seth? Mm. Uh, our brains naturally want to put things into buckets, right? We kind of want to like figure out how to categorize something. And so when it comes to people and prospects... I like crystal because it helps me very quickly put a prospect in a bucket in terms of what type and style of messaging is most likely to resonate with them yes so as a rule most of my career has been spent selling into people-based functions by that i mean hr like their purview is people uh marketing who's ultimately trying to get a message in front of people sellers who are dealing with people one to one
1: uh and then a let us bit know in the that, chat what's your persona let us know in the chat are you selling to marketing hr uh, you know uh what uh, manufacturing like who are you selling to these days let us know in the chat go ahead seth
0: yeah so there's one camp which is uh, uh i'm gonna overgeneralize they want stories they want short and to the point and they, they they really want kind of the show me you know me those are, are if i were to this may make sense to nobody but me but they're like qualitative And then we've got the like quantitative, objective, analytical type temperaments and business functions, which are going to be IT, security, legal, um, to some degree, your C-suite, depending on where they sit in the operational folks. Uh, And they typically will not only want or tolerate, but want more thorough emails. Right. So like a sales leader, I'm not going to quote ROI stats because they know what I know, which is really easy to jimmy with the numbers, and it doesn't mean anything to them whereas a counterpart on the IT side or a CFO wants quantitative evidence of impact of the thing I'm selling, right? So with a seller, I'm going to tell a story and I'm going to get right to the point quickly. Quickly, If I'm selling into sales leadership, if I'm approaching a CFO, I'm going to just literally write a longer email that contains more information and skews more objective, ROI-based, impact-based. I think and crystal be- knows will give you that on an individual basis. Now it's not one hundred percent accurate, but it's it directionally gives me something to go on.
1: I th- I think what's an amazing shift in the mind of the sellers that are in the room here is that you're taking the steps to actually look at the personality type here, and then you're devising your framework. We had our foundation, right? The three things that you gave us at the beginning. We'll review at the end here. Quick recap, right? Big takeaways, but we've. We've developed, as we've moved forward with these examples, added different variables. And I think the crystal knows and knowing your prospects and your verticals and you know a lot of good answers in the chat, controller, VP, sales, IT, manufacturing, demand gen, yo, all of these personalities have a specific style that they gravitate towards and other styles that don't very much appeal to them, right? So that's what we're talking about here is learning your prospects, so that you can use those frameworks that are going to resonate the most with them i love this idea um when you talked about things that we have to let go of uh, and before i before we talk about this last example you talked about we have to let go and i'm I'm using a direct quote from you we have to let go of the just hit go and money's going to fall out of the sky Uh, this is like a cancer in sales today and i i just want to discourage folks as best we can from this idea that they're going to come up with a magic framework, start writing messages this way, put it all into my CRM and my HubSpot instance and my sales engagement platform, hit go, and bam, I'm a baller. I'm a baller. I'm a baller. Right? Like, this is just not real. So talk to me about this.
0: I saw one, so I saw one of the questions that it was specific about, you know, um, using people's name and subject lines and has that fallen out of fashion. Um, gang, there, there's no one way of doing this, right? And, and I, th- I think this is the risk in over-indexing on technology to do it. Is inherently a, a people to people job. Uh, I said it earlier, I will say it probably a thousand or more times in my, my life. Ah, uh, what works with one prospect is not guaranteed to work with another, even if there's like ninety eight percent overlap in the Venn diagram between their tenure, their responsibilities, their company profiles. We're still dealing with people, and people are inherently fickle and unpredictable um, and untrusting. Are, Rightfully so. <laughs> people are a lot of things. Um, you know I'm big on analogies. Hopefully this one flies. You know in baseball, three strikes and you're out. I'll let my 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 math nerd flag fly. the The reply rate, if you look at it on a on a on a graph over time, the reply rate over time is an it's an asymptote. It never reaches absolute zero. Tracy Hageman, a hot topic. If I had given up when my and granted I wasn't using you know a sequencing tool, but let's say for sake of argument, I had a three to four week initial outbound pursuit and that ended and she did not engage. I would have given up. That deal never would have happened, right? My peers looked at that graph and said, if my chances of getting a reply are highest within the first three touches, then I can make a case to do five and keep my fingers crossed. But after that, it's not worth my time. I looked at it the opposite way, which was why would I ever give up? She still sits in my ICP. She works for Hot Topic. We sell to retail and e-com. Like, she's the VP of e-com. Why would I ever give up on her? Yeah. Now, how I do that how frequently the nature of the copy, how aggressive or consistent my ask in those emails, that's up for discussion. But giving up in my mind, not an option. If I have done the work to identify an account and people within that organization that I believe we can create value for. And the only obstacle is that they have not replied, then I'm going to keep trying until they tell me to go away. Yeah. We don't, we don't have three strikes and you're out. That's something that we place on ourselves. This notion that like, we run the sequence and we feel good about the emails and it works like a bunch of the time with other prospects like this and this particular prospect doesn't engage well they're the problem not me no just keep trying right get creative again to subject lines like if you've been chasing somebody for three months and they haven't engaged take a flyer like throw that Hail Mary here's a subject line Hail Mary I've used it it works especially if you know they like football right please we're just looking for them to engage. Just get back to me and give me a signal to go on. But if we walk ourselves out of an account simply for lack of engagement on the prospect side, like that's on us, that's not on them. So It's
1: true. We have to own that, right? Uh, one of the things that I say all the time is, you know, no reply, no, and never talk to me again. Don't all mean the same thing. Uh, we have to know the difference between those things and we have to be, remain top of mind for when that timing lines up. I want to be the first thing that this prospect thinks about so I can earn that response. Or I hit a high note through a nurture campaign that I launched three or four months ago. And it turns out, you know, my 27th touch. (laughs) What's the one that did it? Oddly, right? Or like the timing lined up just right. Let's look at this last example. And right out of the gate, I want y'all to like, just give me your general response in the chat when you see it for yourself. Seth, break this down. It's too damn long. Look, I don't, Ryan I, Turner. Like, I, don't,
0: I don't want to read it yeah um this is that novel i was talking about and they're so all three of these candidates right victim to the to, to the same downfall which is you know introducing yourself using characters that you can't get back that don't create value i hope this email finds you well come on like what value, i don't if i'm Never receiving any of this like who are you and this means nothing to me. This is like happy birthday from a stranger on the street. It's, it's not even that good because happy birthday from a stranger on the street is like a little dopamine hit. I hope this finds you well it does nothing for me. Uh, I'm going to be an outright asshole. I don't care what your name is. It doesn't matter to me. I can see it in the center line and I can see it in your signature. Those are characters we can't get back. Don't use them or repurpose them in, in a way that creates more value.
1: I don't know that that's asshole. I think that's just transparent as like a recipient's perspective.
0: I would not label that as asshole. Okay, fair. I just wanted to own it. Like, I get a little snarky sometimes, right? Like, I I don't care if you hope this finds me well. Like, I don't care what your name is. I can see it in the sender line. I don't care who your company is. Like, get to the point, right? Um, This is a candidate who, spending time with him, has a has a knack for research, but the challenge is that he doesn't know how uh, to edit himself, right? And so this is a classic example of like, I asked him to educate himself on a particular account on our value proposition. And he did that. He did it in a really, really thorough way. And then he brought all of it to bear, the email. I want to sell it and
1: my very first message is how I get, that's the vibe I get from this. Like, forget about my
0: contact strategy. I want to go for the throat, right? Yeah. I mean, It's, it's easy to make things complicated in email. It is exponentially harder to write a short, succinct message that doesn't lose its bones where like the message still says something, Yeah. right? But I'm of the mind that we, we err on the side of too few words and let a prospect reply and say, I have no idea what you're talking about, dude, because now at least I've got a reply. Now I'm in a two-way dialogue, right? That's useful feedback prospect. Thanks so much. Yeah. What questions might I answer for you? When can we chat live so I can fill in a little context? I was trying to respect your inbox. Hmm.
1: Respecting the inbox is a two-way road. We have to respect our prospect's inbox, but we have to respect our own as well. With that, let me talk about volume. Uh, give the stats uh, about your 2010 Facebook memory that came up, where you where you had that memory come up about when you were writing just handwritten emails. Listen to these stats, y'all.
0: Uh, I don't have my phone on me. I, I wrote, uh, I want to say it was 110 handwritten emails in 90 minutes. But what were the results? Um, I think I I I pulled five meetings out of that. That's a great day. You know, before lunch. Before, that's a great morning. (laughs) It was, yeah.
1: How many meetings, if you're an SDR in the room, we had a lot of SDRs. How many meetings are you required to schedule every month? How many meetings are you required to schedule every month what's your meeting quota 12 30 I see a couple numbers here four uh n- keep in mind the ACV matters right uh 10 eight uh, uh mines SQL by SQL 600 800 hey, holy cow that's insane that finger uh I don't it must be uh, but here's my point is that Thanks. if you scheduled five meetings sending a 110 written emails in 90 minutes, that is, that is make or make your quota in less than a week, less than a week and a half numbers right there. And all it took was what? A little bit of care? How long did you research
0: those emails before you sent them? Uh, I mean, I, I produced them in 90 minutes. So ostensibly, I did all of my research and the copywriting in that 90 minute period. Yeah. Um, I had a really, really consistent value proposition, right? We had a very, uh, from a product market fit standpoint, high, really high. We knew who our customer was by uh, company. Like we built a solution for omni channel retail. So it narrowed our world right off the bat. Um, buyers within that, right, were really well known and there were fewer of them. We really had like one or two prospects that we typically approach. And I was working in partnership with uh, an account executive, early season guy who'd been with the company about a year longer than I had. So I had the benefit of him kind of spoon feeding me. Information like he named the accounts. I didn't have to figure out who I was going to pursue, but rather who within those organizations and what I was going to say to them. Yeah. Um, and this predates, you know, any of the the sequencing platforms. Uh, I did hacky stuff like way back in the day in Outlook. You could save more than one signature. That that was my version of a snippet. I could insert a signature to an email. And so I had like a one or two liner where the value proposition remained consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we're gonna touch on the notion of like consistency and... and
1: Yeah, you had said the outbound motion of today is all about persistence and consistency. So, uh, you know, how does that pertain to the frameworks? And then we're gonna move to Q&A
0: because we got a couple of good questions here waiting on you. Yep. The, my notes on persistence and consistency, this is a combination of both frequency right we want to pursue over a longer rather than a shorter period of time in the absence of any direct signal from the prospect in layman's terms keep chasing until they tell you to go away right if you don't have a two-way dialogue if they haven't unsubbed if they haven't replied if you haven't talked to them live by phone you've got no signal right and this is i'm talking about all of this in the context of outbound right? is right. a different beast. If we are proactively approaching someone that doesn't know we exist, that may or may not have heard of our company, has knowledge of our value proposition, we cannot, nor should we expect that we can control their timing. There's only so much we can do to create a sense of urgency. And yeah. ultimately we have to trust our prospects to be experts in their business and their role and responsibilities. And if the thing we're solving for is not a priority, right? Our options are to say, "Hey, like, give them the double bird and bounce, right? Or wait them out.
1: Oh, yeah. Wait for the timing to align. Right. I always say I'd rather stay top of mind. We'll hit you up later. I'll send you some good stuff. You know, and this is like a casual way of me being like, no problem, but I'm coming back to you. Uh, So I love this mentality of like, if you haven't got the two way dialogue going, the back and forth going, you haven't, you haven't had a green light yet that tells you I should remove this from my pipeline. That is yeah. not, that is not a good way to be thinking about your pipeline and your prospecting strategies in 2024. That's the message I...
0: Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then the other piece of this in persistence and consistency, specifically on the consistency side, is the language that you use. Um, I've worked with a lot of SDRs uh, that have reported to me. I've done a lot of like coaching uh, training sessions on, on messaging and sequence development. Uh, I find that at least some folks have an instinct to try to change the value proposition from one email to the next with a mindset. It's kind of like bait, right? If this particular type of bait doesn't work for the fish I'm I'm after, then I'm going to change the bait. Mm-hmm. But what that ultimately does is it, it, well, it assumes one thing, which is that your prospect is reading every email, which they're not. I'm just, <laughs> just going to, I will go out on a limb and say they're not reading every email that we send. No limb. Uh, <laughs> But it also puts the work on them in the event they read more than one email and you've framed the value proposition, what you solve for in two vastly different ways in two different emails. It makes their brain do work to figure out what the heck it is you do and how you can help them. Don't do that. Make it easy on them. Be really consistent. Um, I worked for a guy once who was not the CRO, but said, I like to call myself the CRO. I'm the chief repetition officer. There's something to be said. Our brains have to like whether it's in a prospecting engagement or internally the things we hear from our manager or the things we're trying to get across to our our partner, right? we have to say them repeatedly because that's the way that our brains are wired and designed. So the more consistent you are and how you frame that value proposition, we work with companies like this to solve these kinds of problems. Is this relevant for you? Is this a priority right now? Be consistent in that. Like, annoy yourself with how consistent you're being.
1: It's a good it's a good tip, right? Make it second nature. This question comes from Lydia right here. Is it back in vogue to use somebody's first name in a subject line? I'd say no, Lydia. My opinion is that that is played out. I used to be a big practitioner of this, and I don't think that it's back in style. Uh, We got two minutes. Uh, What's your stance on that, Seth? Is that effective for you on the subject lines? Are you using people's names?
0: Not especially impressed and in today's world with the tech stack, the way it is it, it necessitates that your CRM is pristine If you've got any typos, all lowercase, all that stuff, you look like a knucklehead sending an email with a placeholder or my name in all lowercase. I've got my middle initial on LinkedIn. I know when a message is automated because it includes my middle initial and it just like right off the bat, I'm like, that's lazy. I don't have time for you.
1: Yeah. Laziness is something that turns most buyers off. Seth, I want to thank you for coming in sharing your wisdom on frameworks today. I want to thank you all for coming out and spending time with us today. We know that your time is valuable and once you spend it, you can't get it back. So it means the world to us that you gave us some of your time. Share your takeaways. One of the best takeaways that we got from this show is right here, this simple foundation that you can use to start out building frameworks for your ideal buyers. Be sure and connect with us on social and follow me directly at SayWhatSales. I've never met a stranger in my life. We will see you guys next time on so Better, you're gonna get a survey after this to let us know how we did, and I appreciate all the feedback. See you guys next time, have a great day, and we are rooting for you. Go get them out there.